Our sermon title, The Hiddenness of Our Faith, and I say our because it's one that we wish to wrestle with this morning, even as I have wrestled with that thought for a while. So Lord, may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable to you, our Lord and our Redeemer. A vision quest is a rite of passage in some North American cultures and usually only undertaken by young males entering adulthood. And this quest marks a significant life transition. It can be humbling, it can be powerful, and ultimately a great opportunity to learn about oneself. And during this time, the young person, maybe about Evie's age, prays that They may have a vision, three to four days in an isolated place, a vision that will help them find their purpose in life, their role in community, and how they may best serve their people. The idea is to pray from the heart and pay attention to the world around him. If he does, messages from Wankantanka, or the Great Spirit, will come to him. And sometimes a message or instructions come through nature in the form of an animal or a bird or a sunset. But nothing is discounted as the great spirit can and does speak through all things. And generally, some kind of physical object is found that represents the vision of this young person. Maybe a rock, maybe a feather, something from nature they can take with them and hold in their medicine bag forever. For us, this Lenten season is a time to slow down and breathe. Let's breathe. Slow down and breathe. Because we too are or we are on a quest for our continued vision for our life with Jesus. And like Jesus' 40 days, Lent is a long journey to the cross. But if we pay attention, I'm confident that for you and I, Jesus will show up. This year's Lenten scriptures indeed have the theme of show us. And so on our way forward through the wilderness of temptation or whether to maybe to embrace the wide extent of God's love, or maybe it's the power to overcome fear, even the fear of death, we say, Jesus, show us. Show up with us. Indeed, temptation is at the core of both of these texts read by Connie, the Genesis and Matthew. Temptation at its center attempts to lure us away from God lure us away from whom God created us to be and what God created us to do in this world. But temptation isn't necessarily a sign of our weakness. Although it exposes our vulnerabilities, it can also be an opportunity to strengthen our awareness of growth in our lives. Temptation can cultivate spiritual disciplines that train our hearts and minds into new habits and learning. And acknowledging the Holy Spirit, just like the young Native American on his quest, is the key in our times of temptation. 
So this morning we interact with three accounts, Matthew, Genesis, and our own. We look for Jesus to show himself to us in the thick of our temptations. And so in Matthew's gospel, figuratively dripping wet from his baptism in the River Jordan, Jesus is led by God's Spirit into his wilderness experience. You might call it a vision quest. From last, mount, last week's mountain experience to now this very solitary experience of emptiness and dryness. And with Jesus, we, we feel the hunger pangs. We taste the dryness in our mouths. We hear the sounds of the desert. We see a barren landscape. We sense our vulnerability along with Jesus. We feel so very alone in our wilderness. And like Jesus... Our wilderness can strip us naked relationally, emotionally, and spiritually, leaving us vulnerable to hidden quick fixes, power moves, popularity contests that all promise something in opposition to the weakness and yet the power of the cross. In what the writer of the recent issue of Christian Century calls a reliance on our skills versus our willingness I recall in the mid-1980s when I was employed as a work-study coordinator in Champaign County, Ohio. I was a go-between with employers and students eligible for work release. I'll never forget what one employer told me. Give me a student who will show up on time and not walk past a soda can on the floor. I'll teach him the skills. I never forgot that. A different twist on skills is suggested by the adversary to Jesus. Jesus, you have the skills to turn granite loaves into real bread. All you need to do is rely on God's skill to save you when you pull a gravity-defying stunt by jumping off the temple. But like Jesus, our skills are not questioned by the adversary. It's rather it's our willingness to follow that's questioned. If, or sometimes accurately translated since, since you are the Son of God, since you follow Jesus, you have the skill to build yourself up. But are you willing is the question. So we too are pulled by the adversary's promises. But like the community employer God most desires, our willingness to follow Jesus. And yet, God shows up there in Jesus' temptations and ours, I believe, in the thick of our temptations, in the thick of, Jesus, in the thick of temptations in general. We believe that God shows up. So likewise, in our Genesis text, people, that is Adam and Eve, people are walking closely with God. It's a daily habit. even as temptation to know more than God begins to take over. We sense the excitement of testing the boundaries as suggested by the serpents in that text and in our lives. 
Comfort and intimacy with God have been replaced by covering up and hiding. They saw, they made, they heard, and they hid. And they became independent. And when dependence in God dies, we experience the nakedness and shame of hiding our lies from God. And yet, here comes God in the thick of our temptations. One of my favorite parts of this text in the Genesis 2 and 3 text is that God shows up. God's looking for Adam and Eve. Where are you? God says. Where are you? I miss you. And that's God's grace. A third story is our story, of course. Our account of temptation, our ongoing work of temptation, what we most want to hide from God or from each other. It's here that show us your hiding place is twofold. Life can sometimes have us feel as though God is hiding. Other times, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that God's hiding place is the result of our own actions and thoughts and decisions. But ultimately, the theme of God, the theme of show us, invites us to find God hiding in the midst of temptations. Because I believe God can be hiding in many, many places. So maybe... We've been looking for God in the wrong places. Our son-in-law's father died February 8th. And Keith was a self-proclaimed skeptic. He very well acknowledged God in his own way. But he would kind of tease maybe or just kind of like to say things that showed that he was a skeptic. Oh, I'm not sure I really believe that, or, and that kind of thing. And that was Keith. Ten years of struggle and illness brought him to near-death time in early February. And what became close to Keith was the words of Paul, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And Paul goes on this long litany of things from his own experience, which makes me want to accept those words. And first time I asked Keith, he said, I, I said, do you believe that? He said, nope. I said, okay, Keith. I didn't say it to him. I just thought, well, we'll just go with that. Next time I asked him again and kept reading those words. And the day that he died with Gail beside him, she said those words to him. And he nodded. And then he passed. The hiddenness of our faith. So was God hiding from Keith or was Keith hiding from God? Take your pick. Show us your hiding place. God may be hiding in your neighbor. Your family. God surprises us sometimes in the scriptures. God is hiding in our attempts to go solo. God can be hiding in our diagnosis, our loss. Because that's what God does. God shows up. 
It's not just that God is looking for us in the thick of temptations. Rather, the good news is that God shows up. May it be that way for you. And may God remind you of your belovedness. May Christ be by your side in times of struggle. And may the Spirit guide you back to the path as you are tempted. Amen.